Live from the UK, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mike Drop Club, hosted by Douglas Hamandiche. Message received. Message received. You do not need to know what you need. What you need. Just engage with the podcast feed. Just engage with the podcast feed. Providing weekly insights into cool stuff we've read, saw, did, or heard about what made us say, wow, eureka, damn, nothing is off limits. If it motivates and inspires you to reach your goals, then it shall be discussed. Featuring guest interviews from high performers and people of influence and weekly awards for the best mic drop moment. This podcast is guaranteed to leave you pumped up for the week ahead. Don't just live life, make life boom. Welcome to another episode of the Mic Drop Club with your host Douglas Hamidichay. Back in the house we have Jonas Freud, all the way from Sweden. How are you doing Jonas? Fantastic, fantastic. And Brilliant. I've been missing you. Oh, Dito, oh, Dito, no, very kind. <laughs> uh, very, very, very kind. Uh, so you, you had Mental Health Week in UK? Most definitely. This is this is why we're talking today, especially this is Mental Health Awareness Week from the 10th to the 16th of May. Um, it should be something that is worldwide. I'm not sure if there's a coordinated approach to the Mental Health Awareness Week. But certainly it is one that warrants us to have a conversation around our mental health and what can we do to spot signs that we are um, going downhill? Uh, How do we pick ourselves back up, you know? Um, And also, how do we support other people who are going through mental health? And I was thinking the other day when we first started talking, um, We've done a lot on, on mental health. Remember the sessions we did about the workplace? Yeah. So I just wanted us to go back, to go forward, to see if there's anything's changed. COVID is still here with us, although we're slowly, in the UK at least, um, coming out of... Sorry, really? We're slowly starting to um, get back to some sense of normality. Anyway, in the UK, I'm not sure about where you are, um, but... What sort of things do we need to put in place to ensure that remains the same? Um, I believe um, I believe that you really, really have to get into yourself a little bit deeper and reevaluate or evaluate what you have and what you you want want to have in the future uh, what you're going back to uh, like it's not going back to the office you're going to the office and mm. and that's a mindset as well like how you talk to yourself i'm going back to the office now when you got vaccinated or whatever but for me it's most important to really decide and commit and act about I'm going to the office, not back. I'm going to the office or whatever. I'm going. So you moving forward. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Um, the, the operative word is back. I think as you're speaking, the, the way you're using the word back is is in a way of demonstrating that looking backwards is not what you're supposed to be doing, you know, which is very important. I like that approach. Um, I teach that as well, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, in the UK, yeah. we had um, elections. And, yeah. and one of the campaign, Dominic Cummings was in, was in head of the campaign to leave the e- EU. And the slogans that he used were to remind the British public, right, of a time when they were not in the EU. So the, um, so it was always take back control. 
to take back control. As if the past that had more control over their, um, their laws and jurisdictions, who comes and leaves the country and all that kind of stuff. So when we use back, and if you take a look at um, Donald Trump's campaign, how he got into government, how he, got, how he became president, he too copied a lot of that philosophy about the back. And he, his slogan was, Amer- make America great again. Mm. Again, this is like as if in the past it was greater than how it is now. And um, so when we are talking about going back to to work, you know, it is, and I'll talk with you, it's not about assuming that it was better back in the day. You need to make a commitment. You're going to work now. The past is a ghost. What you make of uh, your experience at work, you're in control of. You're not in control of anything that happened in the past. It's really gone, you know. But all these people falsely believed that in vo- voting for a certain pr- um, president, the country will return back to how it was before. Within, it didn't happen. Um, the UK has left the EU and we're still waiting to see if we are going to be returned back to a state where we have more control. So all of these things, I believe, are a distraction. This whole backward looking. Um, so as you said, um, making the, com- the commitment to move forward is, is a very profound and very um, liberating way to think but it requires another C, which is the courage, right? Mm, exactly. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're there. Okay. Yeah. I hope so. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. I, I should be able to see you now. There you go. Uh, there oh, yeah. There you go. So we were talking about returning back to the office. And yeah, you're, yeah. You're so go to, go to the office and the courage, the C, the second C, mm-hmm. is like, once again, when I talk to the corporate uh, world as well, uh, we need to adjust uh, the policy or the workflow and so mm-hmm. on. Because we we will have a hybrid work situation some of the people really want to work from home at least one or two days a week and how does the corporate manage that so we have been uh, talking a lot some companies like do we need to rewrite relearn reskill our organization about to coming to work because it's going to change. Like some of them coming to work through the screen from home and some of them are going to the work physically. So that's the courage. Do we just continue as usual business or we going to rewrite actually the workflow? So that's, I think it's going to be key within the mental health but also the performance. Sure, sure. Because uh, um, again, you're so right. Uh, the performance when you when you apply any change to any s- situation, you s- tend to find a dip in performance until you find your feet, your footing. Then you can start accelerating. It's like changing your operating system or changing a new way of doing something. There's the dip, isn't it, in performance? while you're getting understanding what's happening. I just hope the corporate world has enough flexibility to enable um, the workforce to go through that dip before it can spring back because it's learning a new way of doing it. Yes, it's relearning, but it's still new. It has to be approached as a new situation. Before COVID, if they had children, the children would have been one year younger. Now they're one year older and they've seen mom and dad in the house together now going back to going to work 
is now another another adjustment. Some, so it's not necessarily just the employee. It's the system that supports the employee, the friends, the family, the environment. There's been a lot of investment. Some employees have, have, have um, put in place so they have the right equipment in their house so they can work. Um, equally so, I can understand why some organizations are really keen for employees to return back to the physical office. They've invested sometimes millions of pounds in these office blocks mm-hmm. and their, contract, their, their contracts are still live. And they're paying for nothing, effectively, if nobody's in them, just paying for maintenance. So you can see why some organizations are still hell-bent on saying, no, still come in to work. And where this, I think, impacts on mental health, particularly, is around performance. Um, when, I, when I do coaching, I'm very outcomes-driven with my um, coachees. You know, we agree what outcomes are going to be measured and then I'll hold them to account for those outcomes. And in work, pre-COVID and post-COVID, I would say outcomes are going to be different in terms of performance at work. You know, there's some organizations that have seen their outputs increase in terms of productivity is increased. Some places might have gone down, but either way, those um, markers, those indicators for performance need to be reevaluated based upon the here and the now. What can you do with the nine to five or eight to four, or eight to six, Monday to Friday, being in the office or not in the office? What can you do? What does your performance outcomes look like? They need to be appraised and reevaluated again. Yeah, yeah, I, I believe so as well. And I mean, it's so many um, key factors that I, I believe in um, how you can restructure all the workforces uh, or the labor market, because you, you see the traditional eight to five or nine to five work because of a situation that many people will continue work from home. So they don't need to uh, commute. Mm. And I think it's also a really purpose, perfect time for corporate to rethink of hire more people to get into the labor market uh, because we can do more uh, in less time. And so, so I, I believe uh, it's going to be a really interesting time. Um, after the summer, um, for hopefully uh, the most of the world will have the vaccinated and so on. Sure, sure. And it's a stressful time. Let's, let's put it out there. As it's Mental Health Awareness Week, you know, change can be stress-inducing because we're dealing with the unknown. And um, there's uncertainty with, within, with things that you're not sure about. And typically what we do when we are uncertain, we stop. We evaluate, we do a risk assessment. Is it more risky pushing forward? Or is it better that I stop or retreat back to, to into the cave and hide? You know? Um, so a lot of people who are going through this transition without support, they are gonna see and feel their mental health starting to decline. Um, if not directly, their loved ones might be going through that and they need to figure out how can you support somebody was going through a challenging time with work. What are the things that we can do to support somebody that we feel is struggling? Yeah, and I think actually we, we're hitting the, the last C that we were talking about, the consequences. And I believe as well when i reflecting about the consequences about this, it's like if you do not invest in mental health and mental strong, now you will be um you be you will need to pay the bill in the future if you don't invest it uh, in your employee now or your personal in invest in yourself you will need you're going to pay the bill afterwards with the problems that comes 
without investment in yourself. And I read actually just before this uh, show, I was into the UK uh, Mental Health Week and the theme was nature. And it just hit me like in 1995, I was uh, hanging around and living in Japan and learned by that people how to live in Japan as a farmer, as a tea farmer. And, you know, we went to the woods like for every day, but without saying it's like uh, it's good for your soul because everybody knew it. We just did it. But nowadays it's like a woods bathing uh, thing mm. in, uh, in the world. And um, like I told you before, I'm living on the countryside here, so I still are heading to the woods every day and i really can feel the the soil the trees uh, i mean when i hug a tree i actually can feel the vibration and so on because i have been hugging so many trees yeah, yeah. in my day <laughs> <laughs> so so it's kind of really um, amazing that you can have like 30 years later like uh, a theme in uk with nature so yeah i think so i think it's a good point because in the uk at least in urbanized areas in the uk um lockdown the covid has demonstrated the the, the inability to access nature fresh air mm-hmm. has been acute people living in high-rise buildings not able to go out you know it definitely impacts on your mental health in a very negative way um in terms of supporting people going through that like techniques what um i'll share one one advice i always give people in around the mental health is be busy just be busy there's there's something that i've learned from my experience working in mental health um is when somebody is in spirit inspired um, working hard at something, whether it's manual labor or anything, as long as you're busy, um, depression tends to not coexist with busyness because depression, for example, in mental health, takes away that energy. So you can't, you've got no energy to do anything. You're lethargic, you want to sleep, you want to isolate yourself, you want to hide, you don't want to talk to nobody, you're miserable, you're upset, all of those things. But if you're busy, it's hard. It's a hard thing to, to do, be busy doing something and at the same time being hidden, at the same time hiding, at the same time being angry. If you follow my drift. So there's something about doing. So there's something about digging deep, helping somebody to dig deep and find something that they can just do repetitiously. You know, mm-hmm. and and there's something that we know around, um, particularly around depression, is over time it will start to go down. But what do you do to manage whilst it's still there? You got to be busy. It will be going down anyway in the background, and that way you're not focusing it on 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 the illness too too much. It's going to go away. Of his own accord, because some of these, some of these depression, these depressive episodes, their triggers are born out of real situations, like loss of job, loss of um, grieving, somebody dies, somebody crossed you, passed away, um, not being able to achieve your goals. All of these things, that, but these are real things to individuals who are going through that. But there's some, there's something to be said about processing that hurt whilst you're busy opposed to processing the hurt and being still. Yeah, it's really, yeah. Um, I love, I love that tip. Uh, And I mean, for me, it's um, my pro tip is like more about like to schedule, to to schedule every day that you have that two minutes that you can uh, have that two minutes every day 
to just uh, be sad or depressed or anxious, whatever it is, but you only give your life two minutes a day. So if the depression or anxiety can, comes up in the morning, if you decided every afternoon, three o'clock, I got two minutes of that, only that. So then you just need to train and practice to just tell yourself, like when the thought comes up or the feelings comes up, then you just tell yourself, okay, I will deal with this at three o'clock. Absolutely. 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 I like so that. That's a, yeah. So you only, you, you will not spend energy on that. So after a while, your body learns as well. Your mind learns like it doesn't matter what comes up during the day because I know that it's only three o'clock that I can reflect on that two minutes. So yeah. and it's, it's really helpful for many people. Yeah, yeah. Like it's good. It's reassuring because you're you're not denying yeah, a, exactly. a part of you that wants to express itself. Yeah, you're so saying, if you just continue to be only busy, I know that it's not the whole truth of you, but yeah. if you just continue to be busy, you just push it forward. Yeah, uh, yeah. Eventually. And yeah, so for me, I, I really like to give my clients uh, two minutes a day then do it whatever you want uh, schedule it and decide and commit yeah because we're going to the three c's there isn't it um the commitment is so so important and at sometimes when you're at your lowest in life that's where you struggle to commit to something that's why i always say go back to basics and that could be that could be as simple as brushing your teeth making your bed you know, um, the, these examples, um, you sp- spoke about nature and the role nature plays in around your mental health. And it's so, so important, nature, because everything exists in nature has order, has routine. It does, it does not work outside of routine. No matter, no matter, if you take a look at what mankind has done on this planet over the last 6,000 years, you know, the wars. That, that is waged on each other, on, on, on fellow human beings, you know, deforestation, you talk about hugging a tree, you know, the trees must be telling you the painful stories that over, over the centuries, you know, um, how we've uh, polluted the air, polluted the seas, you know, killed indiscriminately, made extinct certain um, species, yet, Every single day the sun goes up, sun goes down, the earth keeps on spinning, the cycle of life continues. And uh, my mom told me something about being right, because when you sometimes, some people hold on to and take ownership of the illness to say, this is going to control me. And I will say to you, I will say to you, yes, you're right. This one, my mom used to say to me this, say, yeah, you're right. If you say you're right, you're right. But if you're right, being right about something has a time frame assigned to it. You could be right for, say, 10 years. You could be right about something. Eventually, you might be, that same thing you're right about will prove to be wrong. You know, if you're in the wrong lane, if you're in the right lane, right, and you're driving mm-hmm. in life, different lanes, they're all in different lanes, and you're in your own lane, and you think it's the right lane, but you decide to stop. You decide to stand still because you are right. What's going to happen? Cars from behind are going to smash into the back of you. But you are right. But you're in the right lane, but the lane is for active people. Lanes are there for movement. The second you stop, you know, you're right, just fine. But things are going to hit you from behind. You know, mm. the earth doesn't stop spinning. If the earth decides to be depressed and stop spinning, <laughs> you know, we all fall off or upset gravity. We're all be floating in space. But no, it keeps on. The, the, the mathematics, the physics of creation is such that 
there's continue continuity, and I, I'm I'm trying to push um, the agenda for people to remain to the best part, focused with structure, but being being busy. You know, learning because that's where the healing can take place. Because when you're busy, you're so you're praying, you're meditating. You know, I've I done some gardening over the weekend, and you get into a rhythm, and then as you're gardening. You're thinking through your problems, your challenges, aren't you? You're working out solutions at the same time doing a physical exercise that when you finish, you take a look back at the garden thinking, wow, that looks beautiful. And I've also sorted out the problems in my head, the challenges in my head. I've got a plan now. You know, but if you decide not to do anything and you just stay in one environment, you have not demonstrated to yourself anything yet it's all in your head you don't demonstrate any any um having having provided proof to the part of your body to the part of your personality or your soul that needs that proof that you're going to be okay you haven't you haven't given the evidence and um i've seen people struggle with this um where the the inner voice look is looking for evidence to to support the depression, to support the anxiety, to support whatever illness you're going through. It needs evidence. That's why they always say, if you are going through depression, particularly and anxiety, for example, I'm only picking the common ones at the moment, you tend to create an environment that supports the depression and anxiety. Well, for example, um, if you're depressed, right? You might say something like this, as example. Um, nobody loves me. I'm worthless. I'm useless. Okay. So, inside you is looking for evidence to support that, that you're worthless. Yeah? It's looking in for signs that you are worthless. And guess what happens? You give it the signs that you're worthless by doing nothing. So when the inner side looks out and says, oh, yeah, you are you worthless. Your room's a mess. You haven't brushed your teeth. No one loves you. No one's phoning you. That's the evidence it was looking for. And that's when it get, it, the illness gets a bigger hold on you. That's why if you are like gardening, for example, you know, you, you, the garden's a mess when you start. And by the time you finish, it's tidy. That's, that's not the evidence that the voice need the inner side of you needs to support the depression. That is the evidence it needs to support that actually I can do something. I'm not useless. I'm not worthless. I am somebody. I can uh, make beauty out of, uh, mm-hmm. out of chaos. I can succeed. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly saying, I'm constantly saying just... Do the opposite of what your inside is trying to compel you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's one one way. I mean, what you're talking about for me when I'm listening is like comparing <laughs> another C, comparing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, four Cs. <laughs> yeah, 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 and then I continue okay. with contrast. Yeah, contrast. The okay. Contrast Okay. Contrast about this, like you said, yeah, what you focused on, it's getting bigger. Absolutely. So so many people focused on the depression instead of what is the contrast to the depression. Mm. What is the opposite of depression or anxiety or scared or like everything else? Like, Mm. so. If I don't want to be scared, maybe I want to be happy. Yeah. A, so for me, it's more like in, in, inventory yourself, like you're talking about, I think, and, and under, understand about like inventory yourself. Is it true? Like, is, am I worthless mm-hmm. for real? Yeah, maybe for other people, I'm worthless. But for me myself, I'm not worthless. Because if I have built up and trained 
my endurance to have, but believe in myself and I know what I I know and know what I can do and so on. I, I don't think when people just erase that what other people thinks about them. Because I think it's mostly people who grow up as a young kid hearing so many times, you're worthless, you're ugly, you're like nothing. Then it becomes the truth, I think, because the most people I meet today is like 40 plus and have been doing this as mantra, I'm worthless, I'm ugly for 40 years. Yeah, it's not a quick fix, but when I just ask them, why are you worthless or why are you ugly? Then they only say the first answer. Everybody says that I'm worthless. Yeah, but what do you say? Mm. Yeah, I say it too. Okay, so why? So so I think it's uh, time to, again, once again, to reevaluate all of that hundred truth about yourself, what everybody else saying so I then you can put something there, Jonas. yeah i mean uh, you can make a list of 100 i mean i've, I've done it i tried it with people i know mm-hmm. and my professional clients it's like easy make the 100 list and then you just attack the first one i'm worthless or i have uh, ugly shoes or whatever the smallest thing and yeah. then you just rethink about it. Is it true? Mm. Ask you like three times, four times, five mm. times. Is it still bad? And eventually everybody come to the clue or the answer as, yeah, but when I skip others' uh, opinions and then only have my own, then I can decide. Mm. Is it ugly or is it beautiful? And the most people buy beautiful things or wearing beautiful things. So, mm. so for mm. me, for me, it's like so many tips. But I mean, it's not the same cocktail to everybody. But eventually, it's the the five ingredients is in the mental cocktail is the same for everybody, but it's different amount of the ingredients. Yeah. And I, I really, really like that. Um, that a uh, hundred truths, the hundred truths about yourself, you know, I'm yeah. gonna, I think when you, um, break that down in another, another program, because I think there's a lot to be said about that. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, what I wanted to just talk about is the, if you take a look at what you was talking about, 100 truths, for example, and you talk about evaluation, if you have to evaluate. So there's something about the word evaluate your experiences that um, gives rise to reflection. It gives rise to regrading by regrading something. So reframing is another word you could use. You could reframe because it always goes back down to to your value system. You know, I was coaching um, somebody or counseling somebody who was having a real big problem uh, reconciling their relationship that they had with their father. Really bad. It was causing the the young, 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 young boy depression and and all sorts of behaviors that he become very dis- destructive, you know, fights at school, all of these things. And he said, you know what? I, it's because of my dad. He was blaming his father for everything. His father was in his life, but rarely showed any emotion. Um, he, he has, I think, siblings where, who are high-performing brothers and sisters, and he was not high-performing in his studies at all. So he, so he always felt that his father didn't love him the same way he loved his other brothers and sisters, right? So he's got all of these issues inside of him, you know, 14 years of age, very, very angry. He's an angry young little man, you know? Um, so I said to him, 
you know, if you change the way you look at your father or your expectations of your father, would you still feel the same way you feel? It was like, what are you talking about? It's my dad. Dads are supposed to be like this. Dads are supposed to be like that. Dads are supposed to be like this. I said, where does that come from? You know, dads are supposed to be like this. If you, uh, if you judge your father on a different measuring scale, would he still be a bad father in your eyes? If you use a different way of measuring happiness, you look at, if you view a different way of a father showing love to you, it's because the way you value, the way you're measuring what your father is supposed to be, he is giving you that result. And it could be the case that for 99% of people, he, your father is still a bad father, but you won't be able to move forward in your life as long as you hold on to the same way you're measuring um, your dad's ability to care for you. You know, um, so we've done a lot of work. I mean, a lot of work reframing, evaluating, you know, mm-hmm. what's your role? What's your expectation? And slowly over time, he, he came to re- the realization that even though he was only 14, that his father too is a victim. Because he's a victim of a victim of a victim. You know, his father came to, came to the UK from one um, developing country where it was only work. And if it wasn't for being clever, they would not have been able to leave the country they came from in the first place. So having that as your father's mantra, education, education, you can see why the pressure is there, you know? So there's something about reframing, um, evaluating what, how we're measuring what success looks like. Because if success for you, if you're depressed, it's still to make 100,000, 200,000 pounds per year, you're going to struggle. But if your success now is to just make sure that you remain healthy, you'll be, you'll be okay. You'll be happy. It's how, you, how we um, process, how we gravitate to certain indicators for happiness, for job satisfaction, for marriage, for raising children, for all of these things. If we recalibrate them around things that are meaningful to us, that actually sustain us in a positive way, I think we'll be okay. There's a lot of stress right now with young young people trying to live like they're on TikTok, being, you know, perfect, perfect shape. All of these things, the pressures on these young people is phenomenal causing a lot of mental health problems because they are viewed where they're seen on social media as being, that's what it's like to be happy. You can't be happy if you're obese, overweight, you know, not good looking and all these kinds of things. So mental health, I think is, is a, is a really big, big, big subject where you cannot take any person as you said, it's a cocktail. You can, every, every person is an individual and, and how it manifests itself, the mental illness, requires a different approach. But I think it should always be based upon one core thing, being non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. Yeah, non uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. And also when I'm listening to you, I mean... I'm thinking about like the difference that makes makes the difference, and um, I mean we we got a challenge here because no, not what I am aware of is any school in in the world having like educational program for students um, in young age because. For me, what I know, every school, the first day in school from like seven years of age, huh? They are, yeah, they are like basing on, based on you as your performance. Mm. Can't you be better in uh, sports? Can't you be better in math? But, you know, your first six years in life, you're based on who you are. Your creative, your playfulness, you're energized. But the first day in school, you're based on performance. And then 
just after school, you finished your university, you're going out to the corporate world, you're, you're still based on performance. If you perform this, you get this in salary. Mm. If you produce like this, you get this in your salary. So, so for me, I think it's uh, crucial not to just have it as a, on your schedule when you grow up. And I mentor some uh, students in um, like uh, high school, high school. And when they trained about, I'm, I am not the performance. I am what I am. Then they really perform as a function. Hmm. So, so I think uh, it's it's gonna be uh, very important to actually to do that, like you say, reevaluate. But how do you do it? Also, because when I ask people that that comes to me, I'm depressed. Okay. And then I ask, what is the basic you really want to have in your life or doing in your life? What's the basic? Uh, I need food. I need uh, drink and water. Mm. And, and I, I think I need love or happy at least. Mm. And then I just need like to see how is your picture of happy, for example. And then they... We can't focus on that because we focused on the depression. I'm so depressed because I'm not happy. Mm. And then I just, okay, if we skip the depression and just look on the happy, what's including in the happy? It could be a father. It could be a mom. It could be food on the table. It could be whatever that, that makes it happy. And when people come to that basic insights about that, it's one step closer to be happy and not focused on the depression and more focused on how to become happy, in my mm. opinion, my self-opinion. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's same, like backwards uh, among the 100 list is like <laughs> start with what one thing start with one thing to really reevaluate how how it's supposed to be the same Absolutely. as your fa- fa- father story i mean yeah is that picture of the father good father the true picture mm. no because i only go whatever everyone else is saying okay. about the good father again so for me again uh, I, I mean, I don't have my biology birth mother and father. I had my adoptive father and mother. And they told me, like, you didn't grow in my stomach as a kid. You grow in my heart. Oh, beautiful. Uh, yeah. 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 I mean, that's a beautiful thing mm. to un- understand and hear as a kid. Mm. So for me, it's not important to to grow in the stomach and it's more important for me to understand that I was growing in their hearts as an adoptive parent. So I I think just this picture game, like we're playing together, uh, we've done it in uh, sports uh, pro athletes uh, world for a long time. Like, how is my self-image when I uh, based on myself? And what does my coach say and see? Jonas, I can see you are this. Is mm. that the same picture that I have? No. So we are not on the same page. So then, is it my coach who is the right or is it myself? And so on is like easy to transform it in relationships same thing if you go ask your lovely ones what is your picture of me and they're telling you the opposite maybe mm. Mm. then you need to re- reevaluate again so 
so many of that things is like mm. it's not rocket science for me but you need to be curious not curiosity again so yeah. and then yeah. you need the courage to actually like maybe my lovely one has the right picture so mm. I need the courage to actually adjust maybe and then the consequences. So I think we summary the, the, the three C's. Yeah, I think so. The three, the three C's have certainly been prominent in what we're talking about here. Um, just, just lastly, and, and another advice I have, two, two, two really, I think I'll let you answer one of them in terms of what can the corporate world do to support people with mental health as employees? What can what do for them and I want to just leave one last thing sometimes when we are feeling very very low there's a risk there's a tendency to go big uh, to solve that big big problem that you've elevated that you've put a lot of energy a lot of emotion has gone into amplifying a problem so it's now it's a big boulder it's a huge rock that you have in your head and you walk around with this rock and you cannot move yourself forward um i always say why are you trying to lift something when you have no energy you have no technique to lift that big problem that big problem could be um, pivoting your career to get a better job it could be finding uh, a new spouse it could be having children it could be buying a car it could be anything if as long as you're perceiving it to be a big big problem to the point it's causing you mental health problems, I would say don't try and deal with that problem. Because if you were capable, it would not be a problem in the first place. Right? Because you're not capable, it's a problem. So what I would say is go small. Pick something very, very small that you can do that has the highest probability the highest chance of success do that and keep on doing that until you build up the technique the confidence the the right approach you then tackle the big problem all too often people want to go for that big problem and when you don't succeed in fixing that big problem what happens you you get so so depressed you see but nobody's ever felt Failing to brush your teeth in the morning will not psychologically crush you the same way as failing to um, get over the, the loss of a, or loss of a parent. You know, recovering from those types of things. So I always say, pick something really small that has the highest probability of success. Do that, succeed doing that, and keep on doing it until you feel strong enough to then do that big problem. Don't go to that big problem first. Everyone runs to that. If, if, if I just um, got a better job, I wouldn't want to kill myself. You know, if I had more money, I wouldn't want to kill myself. Awesome. awesome. You know, that's what yeah. they'll say. You know, I say, okay, fine. I understand that. I respect you for saying that. However, you're not strong enough to get the money first. There's steps that you need to do. You know, a millionaire has to be a, a penny year, a thousand year, a hundred thousand year before they're millionaires. You know, go the steps and levels to build yourself up to do that. And sometimes I've asked people who have really been at the lowest point and I asked them the, the million dollar question. That's how I was trained to, to call it anyway. And I would say, look, if that problem that you're, say you have that's causing you to feel like you want to kill yourself if I was able to get that problem off you put it inside an Elon Musk rocket fire it into Mars and it will never come back one way ticket it's never coming back would you still want to kill yourself you know it gets people thinking are they the pro are they actually their problem or is the problem separate from themselves? You know, usually they'll say, yeah, I wouldn't want to kill myself because I want to kill myself because of that problem. I want to get rid of that problem, you know? So then you work, takes work around approaches for them to have a program whereby the end goal is to be able to re reevaluate 
reframe, you know, check their value system, their belief system. And then they might, might realize that was not even their problem in the first place. That bullet wasn't meant, <laughs> that, was, yeah. that bullet wasn't even made for them in the first place. You know, why are you running in the, the, the path of a bullet? <laughs> when that bullet didn't have your name on it in the first place. Mm. But you want no, exa- exactly, mm. exactly uh, my point of view as well. Like mm. you need to see the bigger picture, and uh, the bigger picture you need to chop it down, like you said. Yeah. But it's the same. Uh, I had the same question. Like, if I give you one million, do you want it? Everybody says yes without doubt mm. or hesitate. But then. I just say, yeah, but you only live for today. Tomorrow you're dead. <laughs> you still want the million? Not me. And then people start <laughs> to think, no. Mm. So that's again the value. Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so it's quite easy, but nobody's working or cur- curious about that thing, like because you are lazy as a person you you have the most things so you don't need to think about that more deep things but if you do that you're better prepared of whatever comes in your way so for this example the pandemic the people who's mentally trained stronger they are managing and cope it better than people who is not trained and perf- uh, prepared for this true. i can tell so true 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 so what's so, your second so your second one the second one was for you in terms of the corporate world what do you think the corporate world can do to support employees that are struggling with their mental illness what things can they put in place or should be put in place mm, i i believe um I believe you you need to open up to really work from it. It's same as uh, what I'm talking about. If you don't schedule it, it doesn't exist. And same is your personal schedule. You're supposed to have a mental um, mental time for every day to schedule. Either it's the two minutes of depression time or anxiety time. It's same as training mentally. It's same as you go to the physical gym. You train for one hour uh, a day or a week or three times a week. Yeah, the same amount of mental training you need. And that's what I want to have as well in the corporate world because the corporate world doesn't really understand that not much of the mental stress is built up on the corporate world, but they're going to pay the price because the most of the mental stress is built up from home within mm. your living alone in your apartment or you're living in a destructural you know, relationship. And they bring it into the corporate world and the corporate world going to pay the price of not performance and sick leave and so on. Absolutely. Yep. Sick so leave. so for me it's it's way back again like if the corporate world invest they they will get return of investment. Uh so I believe they should schedule, you know, the personal meetings. It's supposed to be mental meetings as well. So if you schedule it, then you can um then you can make something happens about it so that's what i i want to bring into the corporate world because uh in the future my only own girls will go out to the corporate world and i want to be that dad who support and make the best things possible for my girls to have a really good work environment and uh, culture and so on. So I believe invest schedule. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just to 
around the office, we have a word called um, parity of esteem in the UK. And what that basically means is mental health should, should have the same f- level of funding and support as with physical health. Um, mm-hmm. It's easy to say I broke my leg skiing, but yeah. it's harder to, to make your boss understand that you have depression. You know, mm. one's a hidden, um, a hidden um, infliction and one's a physical break, you know, and they heal at different rates, you know. So having that parity so they're, they're viewed in the same like would, would certainly help a lot of people um, going through um, mental health challenges as well as teaching it very young, you know, teaching relaxation, meditation, from, from, from when they can sit with crossed knees on the floor. They should be learning how to breathe um, consciously. They need to be learning how to reflect objectively, questioning themselves instead of being told everything is this. Because sometimes the, 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 the clash is when the child is starting to form their own understanding and it goes against what they were told is. You know, a happy child is told, no, you, you're not happy. A child that's confident is told, no, you are fat. <laughs> you, you shouldn't be happy because fat people shouldn't be happy. You know, um, all of these con- con- um, conflictions come from when children are not, in a, are not being equipped with the tools to be confident in their own thoughts and to appraise things based upon a value system that they're developing themselves, you know? So, yeah, as always. Yeah, Dennis, and uh, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, what I'm talking about the corporate world as well is like when I lecture on the university students, I know that a lot of university uh, uh, top class students, they have mental health. So when the, the corporate headhunting the best student in the class, I tell them, you know that you're going to get problem if you don't take care because they have so performance anxiety Absolutely, yeah. in school. Yes. Yeah. And you, you will deal and pay the bill about that crap. So <laughs> it's, it, it's same collaboration as that, that I, I want to breach the, the school within the corporate world as well, because not many corporate people understand that people brings like from home, like I said, like most things start from home, depending on, like you said, what we have been talking about, the picture, uh, how it's supposed to be and so on, but it's not true. So, so that's uh, the take for tonight, I think. Absolutely. And uh, uh, it's been a pleasure. One more time. Thank you, Jonas. Uh, we've missed probably two, three weeks. We need to get back get back into the rhythm. But we've done, our, 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 I think we've done a quadruple C. We've done um, being courageous. Yeah. Courageous. I start off, no, I'm curious. Yeah. Courageous. Oh, no, curious, committed. No, Cur- curious, curiosity, courage, courage, and committed, committed. Yeah, yeah, committed. Then consequences. And the contrast. Con- being able to contrast, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. So no. So uh, it's 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 many C's. <laughs> yeah, we call it the, the, the many C's challenge. So um yeah, you guys be safe, look after yourself and each other. We catch up next week. You take care. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out micdropclub.com and get the show notes and useful links. Subscribe to the podcast. Don't just live life, make life boom. Do you struggle to prioritize your tasks to achieve your goals? Surely there's a better way. We don't have to land in space to be great. Frankly, we don't need to. 
but given the opportunity, wouldn't you like to do something spectacular and make an impact? Tune in to the Mike Drop Club, where the secrets behind achieving extraordinary results are shared weekly with your host, Douglas Hamandashay. We'll be with you every step of the way, giving you all the motivation to not just live life, but to make life boom. 